Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Us for the first time, we've been in a, uh, a thing the last few weeks where we've called it crossing the threshold. Crossing the threshold. And uh, so this is just part three because I'm not off of it. Every time I get before the Lord, it's just, it just keeps coming. It's like Rambo. You just can't get enough. So there's like a Rambo 10, right? And so I just, it, it just keeps coming, crossing the threshold and, and, and what the Lord is doing with the implications of what it looks like to get into this holy of holies place. And why Jesus came and, 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 and what he laid his life down for. And so we've been showing you guys this diagram, and it's the same thing. So, so over the last four weeks, we've been showing you this. So the altar, Jesus comes, he's the sacrifice. He lays his life down, and by his blood, he made a way. And then we have baptism where we go under the water. We've been washed. We go under the water. I've died in my whole life. Come up. I've got new life with Christ. We get the oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He fills our life. And we've been focusing on that dotted line. That's the threshold that Jesus came and laid his life down for us to get us into something. Everybody say amen. Amen. To get us into something. And what he wanted to get us into is the Holy of Holies. Why? Because there was separation between man and God. There was separation because of our sin. We had separation between man and God. So Jesus comes and becomes the bridge in which he reconciles us back to God. It's so important that we get this. And then the place that we're supposed to be living and dwelling is in the Holy of Holies. Now the Holy of Holies is in a tabernacle, and it's not a temple. Everybody say, it's right here. It's right here in us. We have become the holy place for the Lord, the tabernacle for the Lord, the temple for the Lord. We have become the dwelling place of the Lord. That's profound, amen? And so here's the deal. It's the 2 Corinthians 3 deal. It's, but when one turns to the Lord, when you come to the Lord, you're not going to be untouched. When you cross that threshold, something is happening in your life. When one comes to the Lord, the veil is removed. That veil of the law, that thing that blinded us, it's removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. We know that one well. And we all, we all, you're a part of we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord. This is the key. We've got to get into there to behold the glory of the Lord. We're not trying to get out of there. We're trying to get into there. And Jesus made a way. And when we behold him, everything changes. When we behold the Lord, our being, everybody say transformed. Transformed. You are affected. You're affected, you're transformed into the same image from one degree to another. That word transformed doesn't mean that Jesus came and died so you can keep him in your pocket and pull him out when things get hard. That's not what he does. He's transforming you from the inside out. There's a change that's happening. There's a change that's coming. And it's a worship identity. We're, this is a worship deal to get us in there to worship him. And so last week we focused on this identity of when you get in there, holiness is what you're going to see. That our God is holy. And then because he's holy, holiness comes into us. Come on. And then I also want to talk today about something that's just as important, which is the fear of the Lord. I want to talk about the fear of the Lord. 
Um, how many of you guys ever watch any of those remodel shows on TV? Used to be Chip and JoJo, right? I don't know what the new ones are. Anybody watch those? You get sucked into those? Raise your hand, people. All right, lots of us in here. Why? We're so intrigued on these, these, these home remodeling shows. We, we like to watch them do these transformations. But here's what I find that's interesting. Christian, I've watched some of these before together. I, it doesn't, like, I'm not interested in them laying a foundation. It's not a big deal to me, right? It's like, oh, cool, you poured concrete, right? I'm not even interested in them framing. It doesn't, like, big deal, you, you framed it. What we're really interested in is when they start skinning that thing out. And they're putting things in it, and they're loading it up, and, and, and they're putting furniture in there, and they're painting the walls, and they're coming up with paint schemes. And they're like, let's do this wall in taupe. And you're like, oh, that's beautiful, right? It's like, that's what you're, so you fast forward through the foundation part, and you fast forward when they actually erect the structure of what we would call framing it out. Why? Because that's boring to us. Really what we want to know is, what can I put inside of it? This is how we treat the Lord. We come into Christianity, and really what we say is, yeah, 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 okay, foundations, whatever, you know, we, we're going to frame this thing out. But Lord, I want to know what I can put inside of it. And we're more interested in how we're going to decorate this thing and paint this thing than we are in framing it the right way. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And so we wonder what's happened with the church in America is that this, we fast forward to the foundation and framing process. You don't get to put decor in and you don't get to paint a house when you have a faulty foundation and a faulty framing system. Amen? And so this is what we're seeing and this is what we're contending against right now. Is we're seeing things feel like they're beginning to implode in many ways when it comes to this thing. And it's because I think personally we've gotten off, we've tried to fast forward to the framing process and we can't do that. I've been uh, reading a, a book by uh, John Bevere. It's called The Fear of the Lord. And I always recommend books up here from time to time. I know you guys think I read a lot. I only read like three chapters and I'm done. You, anybody like that? <laughs> I'm just not that smart. So I, three chapters. I'm five chapters deep in this bad boy. Get it. Get it. And he says something about this. He says, look, if you're building a house, you've got to frame it rightly on the right foundation. And you're going to make sure that that frame is good. And so here's what we know about this. The right foundation is always Christ. I don't think you're in here because you think we're building on a different foundation than that. I think you're in here. Most of us realize that. That's why we buy, we're just like, okay, yeah, Jesus, all right? And we go on. Like, we want to know what we're going to put in it. I think all of us understand 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, no one builds on any other foundation than Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not building on Buddha. Somebody say amen to that. Or any other God or any other false thing that's out there. We're not building on that. We're building on Jesus Christ. Now, before then you can start to fill that house, you've got to frame it. And the framing is important. In fact, outside of the foundation, the framing is just as important. And the framing is going to tell you what the pillars of that house are built with. You look out there and you look at where the building's at right now that we're getting to add on to. It's got nothing on it and nothing inside of it. But you can see that they're starting to erect it and they're putting the frame up. And now we've got our guys that are overseeing that project. And they're going around making sure nothing's bent. All the bolts are tightened down. Why? Because as good as that frame is, is as good as that house is going to be. Right? It's the same thing in our hearts. We can fill our hearts with all these things that are good. But if we didn't frame it right... We've missed it. And here's what we're starting to see the Lord is framing back in his church again, holiness. That's why we focused on that, because we like to skip through that. Yeah, yeah, holiness, okay, what can I put in it? No, 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 you've got to get this frame of holiness first. 
That's why we focused on that last week. And then today, one of the frames would be the fear of the Lord. We know the love of God is there. It's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we know another frame is love your neighbor as yourself. There's got to be love uh, emanating from this thing. But there is a fear of the Lord issue that the church has not dealt with. There's a fear of the Lord issue that is a frame that we've got to wreck back up in the church Again, because without the right framing, you will always frame things in your own views, your own ideas, and your own perspectives. Now, let me tell you why that's dangerous. So now you come to church and you hear preaching on finances or preaching on relationships or how to break this addiction and that addiction or, you know, how to get rid of anxiety. And you're listening to it through the lens. If you don't have the fear of the Lord in you, you're listening to the lens of a human perspective that will fail you every time. Every time. But if you've got the fear of the Lord, anxiety will eventually bend and bow to that. And if you've got the fear of the Lord, I'm not worried about finances. I've got eternity written in my heart. Are we, yeah? Okay. So, so while we're working about colors and our color scheme, God's going, no, no, let's go back to framing again. And what you're building on this thing. And so um, the problem is when we want to start to frame God's house in our own way. It's just a big wonky deal. We've got to get rid of that. And this is why I think that we've got a deconstruction issue happening in our country. You've heard that word. Deconstruction. I'm deconstructing my faith. What they mean is I didn't frame it right, and now I'm mad at God. He didn't come through. I didn't like that he told me I couldn't do that. It's really around that, right? The deconstruction movement. I'm just telling you, if you've gone through that, God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. But if you've gone through that, I want you to hear something. Most of the time what we're deconstructing is the wonkiness that was never the Lord because we never really had a right fear of the Lord anyways. Because a right fear of the Lord would mean that this thing became my everything, right? And this is what I'm going to base my life off of. And now what we see is biblical illiteracy is an all-time high. How many of you guys believe in the Bible, right? And then they do these polls, and then all of a sudden these polls come out and they go, 50% of believers believe in the Bible. And I'm like, 50%? What is that nonsense? And so we've got the deconstruction movement is based on the fact that we haven't framed things rightly in a long time. And the frame should have been the fear of the Lord first. Amen. And so what we do then, because we've messed that up, is now we go back to what we talked a little bit about last week. We gotta make Jesus now look more exciting to us. We gotta build him up, we gotta Hollywood him out, right? And this is what's going to try to attract us to the Lord. How is that? The fear of the Lord is attractive. And let me make a difference for this right now. For some of you going, oh, man, I'm struggling in this. There's a difference between the fear of the Lord and the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear he did not give us. Amen? The Lord did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He did not. Perfect love casts out fear, Scripture says. There's a difference between the spirit of the Lord, or uh, there's a difference between the, the spirit of fear and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is reverence and awe that actually draws me to him. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm drawn to you. Look at you. I'm drawn to you. Big difference. We'll work through some of that here in just a, a moment. And so um, this is what we're talking about today as we talk about building the right foundations or the right, I should say, structure on the foundation, framing this thing out rightly. And and what we see is this, and we talked a little bit about this last week. I think it was holiness. You'll find holiness in Scripture like 600 and something times. You'll find fear of the Lord in Scripture over 300 times. Now, if the Lord says something one time, it's important. Amen? If he says it 300 times, it's like super important, right? Just really, really important. And, and, and so there's this heavy focus that we always get onto, the love of God. Yes and amen to the love of God. We love, we love the love of God. We know that's so important. 
I like how Corey Russell says it. He says this, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord are the banks of the river by which the love of God flows. The fear of the Lord are the banks of the river by which the love of God flows. When you know the fear of the Lord, you're going to begin to see the river of the love of God. Amen? And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. It's an awareness of him. It's, it's coming out of our own agendas into his uh, agenda. And so um, last week I, I shared a quote by Corey, and he said this, the greatest thing confronting America, he said, in, in the for, remember, it's not, the, it's not foreign issues that are going on. The greatest thing confronting America right now, he said, is the church is bored with Jesus. And we all go, yeah, that is so true. It's like G- we're bored with him. We just don't, yeah, I've got him. But I'm just, surely there's some other things out there that I can run into. We've just gotten to a place where we've become so bored with Jesus. And A.W. Tozer says it like this. If all the problems of heaven and earth were to confront us at once, they would be nothing compared to the overwhelming problem we have with God. He says this. Who he is and what are we to do with him? The thought that comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. And 10,000 lesser problems are solved when a man or woman comes to the right understanding of who God is. So people say, like, like, do we preach on relationships? Yes. Do we preach on finances? Yeah. Do we preach on all these things? All these things we do. We can preach on those things. But none of those things will matter until we understand who God is. And we won't understand who God is until we understand a healthy fear of the Lord reverence and awe that draws us in doesn't repel us away <clears throat> and so we just we've got to frame this thing out and this is why we're so bent on this and this is why Jer- Jeremiah 5 he says this about his people he says do not do you not fear me declares the Lord do you not tremble before me but this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart they have turned aside and gone away they do not say in their hearts listen to this they do not say in their hearts let us fear the lord our god and so because of they ran into their own things and so the way in which we started this thing was last week when we talked about going to the holy of holies we said it's a place that you go into and you come out and you know that holiness is inside of you because this is where he dwells. And we use this scripture in Le- Leviticus chapter 9 and 10. And we talked about how important holiness is unto the Lord. And the scripture was about how when right order comes, Moses and Aaron were given order about how to come before the Lord. And when they brought right order and they brought the fire of God into the temple and laid it down, God would come in and move and his glory would fall. Why? Because when order comes, glory comes. When order comes, glory comes. When we come in rightly, here's what it said. When they did it rightly, the glory of the Lord came and they would fall on their faces before him. In joy, it says they fell face down. When order comes, glory comes. When glory comes, the revelation of God comes. And when the revelation of God comes, you're undone and we're changed more and more and more into his glorious image. And this is what we need in the church again today. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Right after that, we, we read Aaron's sons come in, and they don't bring the fire of God. It says they bring a strange fire or a peculiar fire. Here's what that means. That word strange and peculiar means this. They showed disrespect for the sacred things. They were irreverent to the things of God. So they come in in an irreverent way. Not only are they consumed... It says that fire consumes them and they, and, they, and they fall down and they die. But it says this, the Lord says, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all people. And so we said, this is how important holiness 
is to the Lord. Well, the fear of the Lord is the same way. In Acts chapter 2, we've been using this as a springboard each Sunday. Peter preaches his radical sermon after getting filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes hard. It says that he, what? To their hearts. What did he do to their hearts? He pierced them. He, we've said it. He, he didn't coddle them. He didn't hold them. He said, oh, heart, are you good? He came in because he loves them, and it pierced their heart. They cried out with the only thing that they could cry out in, which is, they said, what must we do? Peter says, repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the key, though. In verse 42, right after this, it says, they devoted themselves. Everybody say, devoted. devoted. You'll know if the fear of the Lord is in you if you're devoted to the Lord. It's a good indication it's a good marker. If you're going, I'm just not sure, how do I know if I've got the fear of the Lord? Are you devoted to him? You look up that word devoted sometimes. It doesn't mean, do you like him? It doesn't mean, are you buddy-buddy sometimes? Devoted is a whole different level. And so here they are, they get wrecked, transformed, and now the word that's used is they become devoted. They're devoted people. And so it's an end. holy, that's devotion. Did you hear that? Either somebody's getting set free or they're worshiping, one of those two. Smokes, man. Come on, Tony. All right. Then right after that, right after that, we read in Acts chapter 5. Do you remember the threshold with Ananias and Sapphira? You remember that? So Ananias and Sapphira, they cross the threshold. They say, we're in. We're in. We love the Lord. We're in. This is New Testament, folks. This is an Old Testament. They're in. They cross the threshold. We're in. And then there's radical unity. Everybody's devoting themselves to the Lord. And they lie to their brothers and sisters. And they lie to the Holy Spirit. Boom. They fall down dead. You can read that story in Acts chapter 5. And look what it says. And great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard of these things. Here's the crazy thing. When great fear came upon the church, it didn't repel people. People didn't go, oh, I'm out. There's no way. It actually says, and they multiplied daily. When the fear of the Lord came upon the church, it multiplied. Let me give you one more. Acts chapter 9. This is what happens. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Look what it says. And walking in the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Look what happens when the church is in order. When the fear of the Lord is there and we're walking in that and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, which people are like, oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. you got to get over it. It just means he has control of your life. Let it go, man. Let it go. When you're walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, there's a multiplying that happens in the body of Christ. Do you know what statistics say about the church in America today? It's on the decline. This is what it says. It's on the decline. So we've got to look and say, is God just not powerful enough or are we not walking in the right way? Church, he tells us when the fear of the Lord comes and we're walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit that there's a multiplication that happens in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> okay. We're good? So, so if this is the case and this is where we've been at, I want to kind of add part two or three or wherever we're at today on this. And that is about this fear part that we read in Scripture. So that's holiness. When we come in unholy, we don't call God holy. There's a fire that came out, consumed Aaron's sons in Leviticus, Leviticus 9 and 10. We see something very similar in, in the book of Exodus chapter 32. What we want to do with the Lord is, and I feel this way so much, is that 
not only do we not really understand what the holiness thing is, but the fear of the Lord thing has been so misconstrued in the church. We think it as fear and terror, right, rather than like an awe and reverence. And so what we've done is we've tried to bring God down to a level that's tangible. This is how we want to see God. God, big, majestic, it's like, ah, she's just so hard to understand. And so what we do is we try to take the bigness and the fullness of God, and we just try to bring him down to a lever, level where he's tangible to us. Like, okay, like I can handle this God. I can handle this God. I can get my arms around this God. We were never supposed to be able to get our arms around him. And this is how we want to do it. And it was called the golden calf. Do you guys remember this story? No. Yeah, somebody does. <laughs> I said, yes. So they come and they make a golden calf. And here's what we read in Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, they, they gathered themselves together to Aaron, who was the high priest, and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. Look what he says. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Moses is up there with the Lord at Mount Sinai. So Aaron said to him, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought it to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. So he took gold from their hands, what they could offer, and fashioned with a tool an image of a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Stop. That's a big problem because only one God brought them out of the land of Egypt, which was the God of the universe, Yahweh. Now that's the first problem. The second problem is that Aaron saw this, he says, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Remember that word, the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted, corrupted themselves. Something happened to the people. There was a time where they saw the Lord. They saw the mountain shake and the thunder roar. And they knew God. Yahweh was there. They knew it. They saw the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And they knew the God of the universe brought them out. But now all of a sudden, they've waited on Moses too long. Give us something, Moses. Or uh, Aaron. Give us something. Give us something that we can worship. Give us something quick that looks good. Give us something that we can give to you. You can fashion it. We'll worship it. It'll look good to us. That's a problem, church. And look what it says, man. They wanted it so they could start to feel good about themselves. And it says they sat down to eat, drink, and rose to play. Doesn't that sound familiar? Like, give me a God that makes me feel good where I can eat, drink, and play. Here's the problem, that, that part where it says, and we will have a feast to the Lord. That word Lord in Hebrew is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It is the proper name of God. And when you use the proper name of God on a golden calf, oh, bad news, bad news. And, and here's why. They were taking a God who's infinite and trying to make him finite. 
They were taking a God of greatness and trying to bring him down to a golden statue they could get their arms around. They were taking a God who is everything and holds everything together and trying to craft him with a little tool made by man. That's a problem. And so here's the, here's the deal. Like we do this same thing just in context sometimes. We, we, we try to understand God with this infinite God in our finite ways. We get frustrated when we can't. So we try to bring him down into a place that we can understand. Let me give you an example of that. I, my boys, every now and again I'll ask my boys, I'm like, boys, tell me something that's awesome out there in the world. What's awesome out there? And then I believe one of them will say something like, Patrick Mahomes, right? And they're like, Dad, the guy, when he's 60, he can be throwing bombs. I mean, we're going to be winning Super Bowls. Come on, Chiefs fan. Amen. Yeah? We better. We paid him a lot of money. All right. So, so we, we literally, we put all this money on him. He's got value. Patrick Mahomes is awesomeness to many young people, to many of you, right? Like, he's awesome. We think of somebody who's awesome. We know his stats and the records he's broken, the records he's going to break. He becomes our measure of awesomeness. Why? Because we can wrap our finite minds, our finite minds around Patrick Mahomes. Now, here's the problem. We're wrapping our finite minds around him because we think dude's got a hand and can throw a pigskin a mile long, right? Here's, here's what the Lord says to that. He goes, ha, Patrick Mahomes. The Lord goes, you seen the oceans? Anybody seen the ocean? Thousands of miles. Thou just goes on and on and on and on. You're a, you're a drop. You're a speck when you're on that thing. Thousands of miles. The Lord goes, he goes, I weighed that water in the palm of my hand. Isaiah 40, 12. He goes, you think Patrick has big hands? Check out these bad boys. Look, yes, he did. Let me tell you what else. He says, the Lord says this in Isaiah 40, 12. He goes, hey, by the way, the universe, the galaxies, he goes, I measured the universe with the span of my hand. Let me tell you, anybody have big hands in here? Raise your hand if you got big meat clobbers for a hand. Come on, some of you guys. Look at that. That is not a meat clobber hand. Anybody? Raise it. Adam Lutz, let me see those big meat clobbers. Raise that bad. Look at that bad boy. You pound some stuff with that. The Lord goes, yeah, big hand. I measured the universe from the tip of my pinky to the tip of my thumb. That's how big I am. And here's the problem. We read that and we know that. And our minds are like, I don't know if I can wrap my mind around that. I don't know. And God's going, I don't need you to wrap your mind around. I need you to believe it. I need you to, need you to run with it. This is how big I am. This is the fear. This is the fear of the, of the Lord. <clears throat> and here's the problem. With that, we add value to that. So all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes becomes valuable, right? He becomes valuable. And the things that we value, the things that we value, um, that we think are awesome, we place reverence on. So, so really what's happening with the Lord because we're bored with him is that we don't value him anymore. And so we don't revere him anymore. We, we, we don't have a concept of that. And so in Hebrews 5, 7, it says in the days of his flesh, when Jesus was walking, in the days that he was walking on planet earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. Listen to how important this is to revere the Lord. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with cries and tears. When Jesus prays, how many guys know that things happened? Let's list them. Blind guys got sight. Lame people got legs. Deaf people got open ears. Dead people came out of tombs. Pretty cool stuff. Bread and fish multiplied. 
People walked on water. Crazy things happened when Jesus prayed. Look what it says here. Jesus cried out, with, uh, prayed with, with, with cries and tears to him, he's talking to the Father, to him who was able to save him from his death. So it's given us this revelation. The Son and the Father, the Father and the Son are having this moment. Jesus is crying out to the Father. Crazy things are happening. And look what it says. And he was heard because of his what? The Father goes, that's a man who reveres me. My son, Jesus, my begotten son, 100% God, 100% man, the son, Jesus, he reveres me. Follow his example. Look at this guy. He prays because he knows me. He prays because he's beheld me. He prays because he understands my greatness and my ah magnitude. I'm going to answer that prayer because he has reverence. So... So what is then this fear of the Lord? Um, let, me, let, me, let me read this one, one thing to you. In Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. Look at verse 6. He will be the sure foundation of your times. A rich, listen, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. We're like, Lord, I want salvation, and I want wisdom, and I want knowledge. And he says this, the fear of the Lord is the key to unlock that treasure of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Is it a big deal to the Lord? So what is the fear of the Lord then? I was reading a list that a guy had put down one time, and I like it. It says, the fear of the Lord does not draw you away, but it actually draws you to. The fear of the Lord helps you to keep his commandments. The fear of the Lord is to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. The fear of the Lord is a life that's yielded towards him. The fear of the Lord is awareness of him in everyday life. The fear of the Lord is that my decisions and my behaviors matter to him. Why? Because he lives right here. The fear of the Lord cuts through compromise and complacency. The fear of the Lord stirs you to make radical decisions and, and, and making those radical decisions that people question and go, what are you doing? The fear of the Lord stirs you to make those radical decisions where people are like, what are you doing? Why would you go spend 12 hours in a prayer room? Why would you do a 12-hour burn and just sit in there and, and pray and worship? What is that all about? You're like, I got the fear of the Lord, man. I'm going to sit in there. The fear of the Lord is what brings you into those places. We were talking about this on a Monday Night Guys group um, just this past week, uh, a little bit about like what compels you and what does it look like to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And we were just talking and, and I got to this place of going, man, like for me, I get it. Like I've got, like we're not all the same. <laughs> yeah? Okay? And I get, I, I'm a little passionate. I like to yell and spit. Very few people sit right here. God bless you folks today. Eight o'clockers, they're way back there. And I just, I get this passion in me. And so we were talking about this. And I was getting passionate on Monday as we were talking. And I'm like, and I know some people are like, whoa, temper that sucker down. And they're like, nobody wants to see that. And I'm like, all of heaven wants to see that. There's a zealousness in there. I'm not, and look, you don't have to spit and yell to have the fear of the Lord in you. You don't have to spit and yell to be able to see the passion and the zeal in you. I get it. Thank you, Jesus. We're different. Amen. 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 Drew Cole, passion right there. Like, you don't have to do that. I'm just simply saying this, though. If the fear of the Lord is in you, zealousness is in you. And passion is in you. 
Even if your passion is to sit there and be like, Lord, I lift your name on high. Whatever that looks like. I'm just being honest. That's awesome. As long as there is passion in that and zeal in that. Okay, you get what I'm talking about. Listen to this. The fear, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is that we um, become familiar with eternity and we lose the sense of temporary. You guys know this world has an expiration date? You know this skin has, somebody say my skin has is, is got an expiration date. Some is coming quicker. <laughs> right? Some is coming quicker. We've got an expiration date on this skin, but we've got an eternity that's awaiting us. Come on. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord breaks us from the fear of man. Anybody need broken from the fear of man? The fear of the Lord helps us to stand firm when it's hard to speak the truth. The fear of the Lord tethers us to the truth of the Lord no matter what. These are all things that the fear of the Lord does. I want to give you, because I want to I sit here for a minute <clears throat> and work this out in our life as we reframe some things. I want to give you four quick things that the fear of the Lord, how it will be effective in your life. Number one, when the fear of the Lord comes upon you, obedience will be there. How do I know if the fear of the Lord is in me? Ask the question about obedience. What does my obedience look like to the Lord? Uh, Hebrews 10.31 says, it's a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. But look what Psalm 112 says. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Blessed is the person who fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commandments. One of the indicators, if the fear of the Lord is in me, is do I love to obey him? Number two, uh, we worship, when the fear of the Lord is in us, we, uh, we worship wholeheartedly. Uh, Psalm twenty two twenty three says, you who fear the Lord, what? It's not up there. Praise him. <laughs> praise him. You who fear the Lord, praise him. There's a story of David. You guys know the story. Ark of the Covenant comes in. What's David do? Strips down. It is so, that is not kingly. That wasn't even culture. You don't disrobe yourself in public. Like, you, you don't do that. That was like against everything. David, so filled with the fear of God, Tosses off the robe, fruit of a loom, whatever, whiteies, tighties, and he's dancing before the Lord. Dancing, dancing, dancing. Could care less what anybody thinks. Could care less. The fear of the Lord was on him, not the fear of man. The fear of the Lord was driving his heart, not whether or not somebody thought he was cool or not. And because of that, people are like, look how foolish you look. Look how foolish you look. And he's like, oh, you think this is bad? I'll be willing to become even more undignified than this because the fear of the Lord is upon me. And I'm telling you, church, the fear of the Lord comes upon you. I'm not worried about whether you're lifting your hands or you're on your face or you're right here or you're right here or you're right here. It doesn't matter. If the fear of the Lord is upon you, you'll be worshiping. <clears throat> when the fear of the Lord is upon you, you will grab hold of your promised reward. You'll know this. Proverbs 22.4 says this, humility and the fear of the Lord bring what? Riches and honor and life. Now riches, let me talk about riches. You're like, oh, so you're saying if I go out there a million dollars. No, riches and could be that, could be this. Riches is simply this. Could you be rich in relationship? Could you be rich in hope? Could you be rich in joy? You can be rich in these things. And so riches and honor and life come from what? Humility and the fear of the Lord. And so when that's on you, you get to grab your reward. Yeah. 
And lastly is simply this, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. <clears throat> when the fear of the Lord is upon you, you have confidence. I'm just going to ask, does anybody struggle with confidence in the room? Some of you guys are like, I don't know if I should live. I have a confidence issue. <laughs> just not sure what to do. Hey, I'll start. I have confidence issues. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Look, there you are now. When I'm in front of people that I love and do life with every day, man, I, I feel like your family. I can go into other places and just like, oh, I just got to shrink down and get back. I don't, I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know how to open my mouth. I've got confidence issues because at times I'm so worried about what man's approval is versus the Lord's approval. Do you see what I'm saying? But when the fear of the Lord is upon us, he gives us a confidence that's not found in us, but found in him. And I have never seen the Lord afraid of a man, ever. That's why in Acts 9.31 it says, when fear of the Lord entered the church and the comfort of the Holy Spirit came, they had confidence and they multiplied. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. Would you guys close your eyes <clears throat> bow your heads? We're going to pray. I'm just going to ask you <clears throat> if on the foundation of Christ you framed this house right. If on the foundation of Christ, so you came into Christ, you said yes to Him, did you run straight to the core, how you want to paint it, what you want to move in, the kind of furniture you want in there, how you want it to look, not too crazy, you know, pretty calm. What did you want it to look like? Is that where you ran first? Or did you first say, Lord, before all of that, i got to frame this thing rightly. And I need to go back, I need to invite the fear of the Lord back into my life again. So, so how do I know? Is he the first thing you think about when you get up? And look, nobody's perfect. Maybe there's days where he is, maybe there's days where he's not, I get it. Do you rise up in the morning though with that obedience of going, Lord, I've got to spend my time with you. And, and when you go to bed at night, when you go to bed at night, are you more interested in going, oh, I can't wait to binge on that next, you know, tomorrow night, binge on that next deal. Are you going, Lord, I can't wait to binge on the one who holds the span of the universe in his hand. I want to see that episode. I want to dream about what did it look like when you had the oceans weighed out in your hands. Oh my gosh. Does the fear of the Lord drive you to love people? Do you have the fear of the Lord that rises up in you? to lay down your agendas when you know the Lord is speaking to your heart? These are all just questions. If you know that you need to go back to that foundation and look at the framing and go, Lord, there's some things there that I missed. Holiness. Invite holiness. I want to live holy for you. Fear of the Lord. I want to invite the fear of the Lord to come in. If you know that you need to do some reframing today, I want to invite you to do that. Just spend a moment or two and just begin to ask the fear of the Lord to come back in. Not the fear that causes you to have a spirit of fear. You're not afraid of the, listen, not afraid the way that we'd be like, oh Lord, I'm so afraid I can't come before you. That's the spirit of fear. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord that draws you in. Oh man, he loves me. He knows the hairs on my head. He knows my days. He knows every thought in my head. Like, he, he knows me.
just begin to invite the fear of the Lord back. Let's just sit in a reverence moment for a minute. Just a reverence moment. Invite that fear of the Lord. I want to know that pillar. I want to know that pillar in my life again. how we're going to shift the church in America again. We're going to frame the bride of Christ in the way that she was supposed to be framed. We're not going to make it a potluck any longer, picking the parts of Jesus that we like and the parts that we don't like, we leave them out. We're going to go after wholeheartedly all of the Lord for who He is because the fear of the Lord has hit the house again. We're going to go after the Lord for all He is because the holiness of God has hit the house again of the Lord and the holiness of God hit the house, watch what happens. Order comes, and when order comes, glory falls, and when glory falls, revelation is behad, and when revelation is behad, we become more and more transformed into His image. So come, fear of the Lord come, holiness of God come, reframe our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.